We are right in the middle of this How Do I Move On series. Last week, it was not the most you know, uplifting topic of all time. We talked about disease, but it was a topic that we just really felt like was important for us to unpack and to go through and to get all that out and figure out all that. And today, we're also going to have a topic that's kind of uh, hard, but it's the one that we need to talk about and one that we need to work through. But before we get into that, I have a question for you. And I think this question will actually, if you can answer it, you, it will actually help transform how you think about things. And maybe if you can answer this question, you actually might be able to see things differently or from a different perspective. And maybe if you can answer this question, it will help to, you know, kind of put some perspective into your life or something that you don't understand or haven't understood. Or maybe you could figure out the answer to this question because I need help figuring this out. Maybe you could help me. Here's the question. How in the world are they charging $6.99 for a greeting card? You know what I'm saying? And like, and it's, it doesn't matter where you get it, whether it's at the grocery store or it's at the gas station or it is at, you know, uh, the car wash. And I like to get my uh, greeting cards when I'm getting my car washed. I go to that place on Federal because I like to kill two birds with one stone. But recently, because these greeting cards are so much money, I'm finding that the bill for the greeting cards is more expensive than the bill for the car wash. I don't understand this. Like, this is a piece of paper with some writing on it. How is this $7 in my life? I want to understand this better. But the reason I brought up greeting cards today was because I have a story for you. It's about a greeting card. And um, the guy who came up here, John, to do the announcements. Now, his wife, Jacqueline, is downstairs working with preschoolers as I speak. You know, John and Jacqueline are about to celebrate four years of marriage coming up. Going strong. Things are going really well. But see, they're card people. So on their anniversaries, they like to exchange greeting cards between the two of them. Jacqueline likes funny cards. And John, John is a guy who he likes those more serious kind of religious like cards filled with scripture like John likes the 799 cards and he's like his cards are generally in cellophane like they're the kinds you see you know that like you can't even like go near but like that's the kind of cards he gets that's really cool but so they exchange cards every anniversary well on their second anniversary John had an idea didn't turn out to be a good one, but it was an idea. He said, tell you what, I'm maybe going to speak to Jacqueline's love language a little bit because she likes those funny cards. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get her a funny card for our anniversary. And what you don't know about Jacqueline is that she actually really takes like serious what people write in the cards. It means to more to her than even what the actual card says. So John gets, you know, this new great card that's funny and he's going to write something funny for their anniversary. And I want to show you, because we took a picture of it, what he wrote to his wife on their second anniversary. So I'm not going to block the screen so that everybody can see this because this transformed their marriage in a radical way. Here's what he wrote. He said, love you, time is flying by. And I wanted to bring this to the, this is the actual card, okay? This is the actual card this man gave his wife on their second anniversary. And I want to bring this to the surface of conversation today because today we are talking about Divorce, okay? And so, and I really want to, I really want to bring this to the surface today because divorce was something that really wasn't brought up in their home. It never gets brought up, but if it was going to get brought up, it was going to be because of something like that. Bad move, Jono, right? But today, we're talking about divorce. And so, as we kind of dive in to this today, this is really important for us to talk about because it's not just talking about 
divorce and recovery from divorce, even though we're going to hit that. We're going to spend a lot of time talking today about how to avoid divorce. If you're in a relationship with someone, whether you're you know, married or you are thinking about marriage or maybe you're divorced, you're going to have to deal with this because, see, we think there are actually three types of people in this room. Stay with me on this. There are three types of people. There are people who are single, and there's a great potential for them to be in relationship with someone someday. There are people who are married who are dealing with this kind of like day-to-day operational stuff over and over again. And then there are people who have actually been divorced. There are people who've been divorced and have to recover from that. And what does that look like in your life? So no matter what, no matter where you're at in the room, no matter what level you are in a relationship with someone, this message is going to hit you today. This is going to kind of hit us all in some way, shape, or form because, as I said, we're not just going to spend time talking about divorce. We're going to spend time talking about marriage. This is not just about divorce and how to recover from it. This is about how to avoid it and to make your relationships even better. Um, And then we are going to, in fact, talk about divorce. And see, we think that it's so important for us at Downtown Harbor Church to talk about because we think because of the type of church that we are, we actually are going to be drawing a lot of people who have been divorced. Our doors are open. All are welcome at Downtown Harbor Church. And so often churches kind of stiff arm people who've dealt with divorce and say, you can't plug in with us. You can't be involved with us because of your history in a relationship. So that's why we want to talk about both of these things today. But let's kind of level the playing field, and let me just tell you what my opinion is on marriage, okay? On marriage. I believe marriage is sacred. I believe marriage is an institution that is a sacred institution. It is the most special, most special relationship that you will ever have with someone on this earth. You have said yes to being in a relationship, a marriage with someone, and you are giving up of yourself for someone else. It is completely kind of like lay down sacrificial on your part. Marriage is this sacred relationship. And I know this because the scripture talks about it a lot. The scripture has a lot to say about marriage. And sure enough, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 5, here's what it says. The two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one. And then this line is really important to me because it is what the guy who married me and Caitlin, what he said right before he said, you may kiss the bride when we got married. He said, let no man divide what God has put together. Let no man tear this apart. This verse is saying, hey, this relationship that you have, your marriage, it is the most important relationship in your entire life. It is more important than your relationship with your kids. It is more important than your relationship with your parents. The marriage relationship is the most important relationship in your entire life. And why we want to talk about this here at DHC is because we feel like marriage has kind of been lost in our culture. The idea of marriage has kind of been lost, and uh, this is not a political thing. We don't do that here, but marriage is just kind of fluffed off, and people flippantly go, yeah, I'll get married. You know, if it doesn't work out, we'll get divorced. It's fine. We'll make it work. But that is so kind of opposite of what the Scripture calls us to do with the people who we would be married to. Because here's something I want you to know. If divorce is a word in your vocabulary, stay with me. If divorce is a word in your vocabulary and you think, "Mm, we're just going to kind of eventually separate and and split up and divorce, if divorce is a word in your vocabulary, here's what I want you to do right now. If you want to get married someday, get rid of it. 
If divorce is a word in your vocabulary, you have to get rid of it. I will tell you that Caitlin and I have committed to taking that word divorce out of our vocabulary and out of our home. It's not even an option. It's not even an option. And furthermore, if if divorce is a word in your vocabulary, get rid of it or don't get married. This is how important we think the institution of marriage is, this special, most important relationship than you will ever, ever have. If divorce is a word in your vocabulary, what you want to do is get rid of it or simply don't get married. That's how important this is. That's how unique this bond is. That's how special this is. Now, but today, I want to talk about relationships. Because relationships, these marriage or these dating or these engaged or whatever you're, whatever you, wherever you are in that, these relationships are difficult. Relationships with other people are difficult. And furthermore, the marriage relationship might be the most difficult relationship you ever had. Caitlin and I have been married for almost eight years. We were about to celebrate eight years this October. And we were people who lived in southeast Michigan. And then we kind of transported down here to Fort Lauderdale to take a job. And we did not live together before we got married. That was a decision that we made that we were not going to live together. So when we finally moved down here and were married, we moved right after our honeymoon. I remember thinking like two weeks into the marriage, why is this person still in my home? Right? Like, why is she still, why, is she, why does she not leave? Like, I, I need some time. And she's downstairs and heard this during the first service, so this is nothing she doesn't know. But I'm like, this is just like, this is brutal. Day after day of like waking up to each other and like, you know, like, and when you don't do that, like, you don't get to see what a person looks like in those moments. And there you are just going, oh my, and, and I, here I am kind of shocked by all of this. So, relationships, my point, relationships are hard, they're difficult. It's very difficult to coexist with someone, to make decisions together, to have to fight and struggle together, to be in this life together, because in relationships, there are what? Issues. There are issues that come up. People have issues. I will guarantee you this. Let me just kind of make a guarantee. I don't make a lot of guarantees. I guarantee a couple of things, but this is one of them I do. If you are in a relationship with someone, you will have issues. It will happen. There will be issues. You will not be able to avoid them. They will be big. They will be small. They will be gargantuan. They will be tiny. You will have issues. Every human couple has issues. You know it. And a lot of people in the room are smiling right now because you know that you just have issues, right? But here's what's true about our culture today. And here's what's true about people and how they view marriage. When, when issues arise, look, listen to this. When issues arise, people like to just do what? Simply throw in the towel. They just want to give up. Why? Because that's what culture has taught us is so easy to do. Nobody wants to deal with issues over and over again with someone else, whether they're big or small or in the middle. It's just hard because people, when they have issues, they like to throw in the towel. Let me tell you, when we first got married, there was this thing with us that I don't know if we're ever going to get past it, but it's an issue in our home, okay? 
it is basically a stalemate to see who can outlast the other one in not unloading the dishwasher, okay? I, I don't know about you, but like I thought when the dishwasher was invented by like Alexander Graham Bell, did he do the dishwasher? I'm just kidding. But when, when the dishwasher was invented, I thought that this was supposed to like make the process of doing dishes easier. And literally, it is a stalemate to see who can wait the longest. And I thought, this is gonna be a real issue in our marriage. We may have to throw in the towel over this because I don't know if we can deal with this day in and day out. You know what issues go on at your place. You know you do. But here's the deal. It's not about having issues. Everybody has issues. It's not about the issue existing. It's not about the issue just arising to the surface. Every single person has issues. Every single couple has issues. It will never fail you. It's not about having the issues. It's about how you deal with the issues. It's not about not having issues. It's all about how you deal with the issues. And you want to know the best thing? The scripture has an answer for how you deal with issues. Because in the New Testament, we were taught how to deal with each other, specifically those people who would be inside the church or people who would be, um, you know, our neighbors. And we taught to love our neighbors as ourselves. And here's what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Here's what it says. Always be humble and gentle. What if we just did that? What if we just were always humble and gentle? What if we treated our spouse as the person in our life who was the most important and we were always humble and gentle with? And then it goes on, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Each other's faults. That, you know what that means? It means you're going to have faults, that everybody has faults. I remember like before we got married, like I was like, I'm looking for the perfect person to be with for the rest of my life. Does not exist. It does not happen that way. She has faults. I have faults. But it says, make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Peace. Relationships are hard. You will have issues. It's not about just having the issues. It's how you deal with the issues. And the scripture tells us exactly what to do. So based on this, we kind of asked ourselves three, or like, what could we do practically based on this in our relationships, in our marriages, to avoid divorce? Practically, based on this, what are three things that we could do? So we came up with three practical steps that you can put into practice in your life right here, right now, that we think can actually help you do this with your spouse. And if you're not in a relationship yet, you might be very soon. So it's important to kind of like zone in and understand these three practical things. Because the first one is this. The first one is communicate. You have a responsibility to communicate with your spouse. No if, ands, or buts. You have a responsibility to communicate. You must do it. There has never, as long as the earth has existed, there has never been a mind reader. Ever. Right? There's never been a mind reader. Ever. And so often when I meet with couples, here's what people come into me and they say. And they say, I can't understand what he's thinking I need him to tell me. And what do I say? I say, you have a responsibility to tell her. 
I would say that to every person in the room. If you would like success in a relationship, you need to communicate. You have a responsibility to share with your spouse what you are thinking. You have a responsibility to share with the person who you are in a relationship with what is going on inside of your heart. You have a responsibility to do that. Don't miss it because when there is a lack of communication, when there is a lack of talking and understanding and finding out how people tick, relationships will fail. It will not ever work. You must communicate. There's never been a mind reader ever. Second one is this. Second one is love, not change. The second thing is love, not change. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, love the Lord your heart with all your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. We so often think in relationships that our job is to change a person to be who we would like them to be. We think that our job is to, okay, so this is now my project and it's my job to kind of craft and mold who this person is. No, it's not. Here's what you need to do. When you're in relationship with someone, furthermore, when you're married to someone, it is not your responsibility to change them. You have one responsibility, only one, love. Now, this goes a little further when you talk about these. Furthermore, that means you need to embrace some quirks, right? That means that everybody is a little bit different in some way. Some people have some quirks, okay? Let me tell you my, one of my wife's quirks. Let me just share. She's downstairs. She's not here, okay? When Caitlin was born, when Caitlin was born, it was like in her genetic DNA makeup. It did not like get there. She has the inability to close drawers. Like, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? Like, and so we have this like big dresser and there's like nine drawers on it. And like, they're just like out like that far. So like, it has become my full-time job to close those drawers. I'm literally going like this. I'm, it's like whack-a-mole with those drawers, right? All the time. And sure enough, I'm like, I don't know when it happened, but I gotta get over this because you have an inability to close drawers around here. Quirk. Me, when I get up in the morning, as soon as these eyes open, instant energy. It is like I am ready to go from the moment I see any kind of the ceiling. And she is completely opposite. And there are some times where like I, she'll be like laying there and like she'll still be sleeping. I'm going, hey, you want to you do something? You want to get up? I have gotten backhanded more times than I would be willing to admit by that girl. And that is one of my quirks, right? I'm annoying. It's just about me. But here's the deal. She knew this when she married me, right? You knew this when you married your spouse. You weren't mad about it then. Why are you mad about it now, right? Embrace the quirks. We all have them. And the last one is this. It's so important to understand. It's this. To celebrate small wins. As much as I just told you to love and not change, there are times in relationships when things need to change. There are times when things need to get better, and there are people who have issues and they need to deal with them. And you as their spouse should be right alongside them as they do. But I will tell you this, so often we want exponential change immediately. We want exponential change right now. Meaning, let's say you have a spending problem and you wanna to go to the mall and you wanna go every single week and you rack up a credit card bill and you know this is something in your life you need to change. 
So oftentimes, spouses about each other think that if it ever happens again, then it's a loss. But I will tell you this, you want to celebrate small wins because there are moments if you were going every week and all of a sudden now you go once a month, that's a win. It might be a small win. Your bill might be you know, still the same amount of money, but you're, you know, you're, you're going less, right? Here's the deal. In your life when change needs to happen, celebrate small wins and don't let your spouse go without acknowledging them. Because so often people think, I'll never be able to not do this at all. I'll never be able to get away from this completely. You want to celebrate small wins. That is so, so important to the future of marriages. So this is what we've talked about avoiding divorce. But I will tell you this, is that if you've been through divorce, maybe it wasn't you, maybe you've been affected by it, meaning maybe your parents were divorced, or maybe you've had to deal with this and you have friends who are, or may, whatever the case is. If you have had to deal with divorce, you know what that feels like, and it's difficult. It's not easy. It's really, really hard. You know why I believe it's so hard? Because it's personal. It's emotional. It's a mess a lot of the times when it's done. But Jesus, who we believe to be God's son, who is who he said that he is and who died and rose again three days later, we believe that. So we want to take what he says very seriously. Here is what I want to tell you about him. The strongest words Jesus used were about divorce. The strongest words that he used in his life on earth were about divorce. And I'm going to read them to you. Now, this is not, don't, don't miss this. This is not to beat up anybody in the room who has been through a divorce. Because you know what that's like. You don't need any more of that. And probably you've been beat up by the church because of it. But Jesus did have some pretty interesting things to say about it. Here's what he said in Matthew chapter 19, verses 8 and 9. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another woman, commits adultery. And then he tells them, boys, if you want to get divorced, you want to do some of these things, it's better not to get married. This is how serious he was. And let me tell you why. This is just my opinion. Let me just tell you why I believe he was so serious about that and why I believe that's so important for us to understand. Because Jesus was calling his followers. He was calling the church. He was calling people who were part of the Jesus movement to a higher standard in their life. He was calling them to a standard that was almost unachievable based on the time. And then he goes, hey, and if you do this, this is what this means. Jesus was calling us to an immensely higher standard because, because, I believe he knew how much it affected every single person. I believe he knew how much divorce affected every person that was related to it. And if you're a child of divorce, you know that. If you've been divorced, you know that. It's just hard. And Jesus knew that it affected every single person, kids, parents, friends, um, everybody who you were interacting with. It just affected you in a big, bold way. So he used big, bold words to describe it. Some people ask me this because they ask me about you know, me and Caitlin's marriage, and they say, hey, do you think you'll ever divorce? I said, no. That's not a word we use around our house. We've agreed not to do that. And then I say this. I said, you know, when you divorce... 
More than likely at the end of the day, at least the people that I've known, you end up with the same problems and half the money. So like I've been like, uh, you know, I don't really, I don't really want to go there because I like our, you know, what we have together and I don't want to do that. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand that there are circumstances in which people should not be together. I get it. There's abuse. There's things that have gone on that are completely inappropriate. There's sexual immorality related to that. And there's sometimes, just at the end of the day, when divorce is not any other possibility but that option. I get it. But I will tell you something that's very personal, and I will get into this at a later date. My parents' divorce, when they divorced after 25 years and we were adults, was absolutely the most difficult thing that I've ever been through in my entire life. It was horrendous. It was a mess. And you know what? I just wanted to say to them, is there any way that this doesn't have to be? Can't this just get better? But I will tell you this. Those three things that I listed earlier for you guys, communication, love not change, celebrate small wins, those didn't happen in my house. I crafted those based on what I saw. Okay, so here at the end of the day, Yes, that's good relationship advice. And for those, and by the way, can I just say, is that recently here at the Downtown Harbor Church, both myself and John have been getting a lot of requests for matchmaking lately. I've been, people have been coming down to us in the lobby, and they're like, is, you know, is the name of this place like you know, Adam and John's matchmaking service? I said, no, it's the Downtown Harbor Church. And if you were at the Jazz Brunch last week, you knew that there was a you know, uh, plenty of fish meetup right next to our tent. And I, I could see some eyes going over there. All right, but what I'm saying is, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you've been through a divorce, if you've been through a divorce, you have to ask yourself this question. Here's the question you have to ask yourself. How do I move on? If you've been affected by divorce, you have to ask yourself the question, how do I move on? And we think it starts with an understanding. We think it starts with an understanding, and here's the thing that we think it starts with. Just because divorce happens doesn't mean it's the end. Yes, it might be the end, for a specific relationship. Yes, it might be the end for that moment of time, but we don't think that it's the end. Why? Because when you have faith in Jesus, every day, every moment is a new day of restoration and redemption. Every moment is a starting point for you to put your feet in the ground and start over again. Jesus is who he said that he was, and he proved that when he rose from the grave. He predicted his own death and resurrection, and if he did that, then your story is not over. Your story goes on. But here's the truth. We all long for relationship and connection. We all long for a relationship. That's just something that is in our DNA, in our human makeup. We all long for relationship and connection. The best part about faith in Jesus is that the story is never over. The best part about faith in Jesus is that the story is never over. So if you have been through a divorce, if you've been affected by divorce, if you are a child of divorce, your story is not over. Your story does not end. You have an opportunity for restoration and redemption. And it is hard. It is difficult. It is emotional. We know it. You know it if you've been through one. Here's what I want you to know. We talked about this today at an extensive level. Those of us who are single, those of us who are married, and those of us who are divorced can all understand this same thing. We need to avoid divorce at all costs. We wrote this this way because we wanted you to understand how important it was. What a mess it is sometimes when it ends. But if the end comes, 
Don't let it be the end of your story. You are a new creation in Jesus. The restoration and redemption that he provides every one of our lives is an example of how every single day we start over again. We have an opportunity to be a person again with a family. It doesn't have to end. And so often, guys, people have said to people in churches after they've experienced divorce, they've said, "Mm -mm. you can't come in, you can't volunteer, you can't be in leadership. And so what happens? People feel judged, and they generally don't come back. And they don't have any shot at understanding the restoration and the redemption of Jesus. And that's why we are so passionate about this. You are a person with a heartbeat who has a chance and an opportunity, and you're good. And we want you to be a part of what we're doing at Downtown Harbor Church. Avoid divorce at all costs. If the end comes, please don't let it be the end of your story. You have a story worth writing, a community that needs love, a hurting people that need restoration and redemption. Avoid it. It's not fun for anybody. But if it happens, pick your feet up. Start moving again. Let me pray. Dear God, thank you so much for who you are and what you do. And I just pray that you would allow each one of us to understand how serious this is. And if anybody in the room is hurting, I just pray right now that you would touch their heart. I pray right now because this is a difficult topic that you would reach down and just bless them in a way that they need to hear from you today. Because no one knows more about what it's like to go through this than someone who has. And so I just pray that you would bless them and heal them and give them everything that they need. Today we pray. And God, may our relationships be healthy. May they be strong. May we be a church full of healthy relationships so that people on the outside look at us and go, I don't know what those people have, but I want it. Help us to do that. We pray today in Jesus' name. Amen.